And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a Friday morning after yet another Brooklyn Nets loss, dropping the Nets, Sixers, and Lakers to a combined 2-12 and to start the 2022-2023 NBA season. And it is just a privilege and a delight to bring in one of the MVPs of ESPN's NBA coverage, oh. a man who had the privilege on back-to-back nights, I believe, of calling the Lakers Nuggets loss or win from Denver's perspective and the Nets Mavericks epic Luka versus Kyrie slash KD slash Ben Simmons air ball to layup loss for the Nets. Richard Jefferson, one of the best. How are you? I First of all, I'm outstanding. I am overjoyed. What country are you wearing right now? Is that Portugal? Like what? I don't this is a Portugal Luis Figo soccer jersey from my wife, my not, then not wife, just girlfriend trip to Portugal many years ago. Everywhere I go, I like to buy something. And I had heard of Luis Figo and I bought a Luis Figo soccer I, kit. I, a kit. I am, I, as they call it. Yeah, I look, I took my kids. Uh, my wife's from England, as we both love the international women. Uh, my wife's from England. And so I took my kids to the very first Arsenal match. Uh, opening day. They got their first kits. They're locked in. They're locked in. They love it. So that's why I'm starting to understand a little bit more about this the, the soccer kits. England, U.S., what happens in your house if, if we play? Uh, honestly, the, the, the men's national soccer team, they break my heart so much that uh, I slowly have adopted England as like a supportive family member for the English soccer team just so that they could break my heart a little bit more because I've learned enough about English soccer. So, um, yeah, in my house, it's it's not really a house divided. You know? Dan, the producer Dan is informing me they are in the same group in the uh, World Cup. Oh, I know. They do drama. They do it for the drama. The World Cup's all about that. But no, no, no. Look, I'll root for England. You know, the U.S. Now, women's national team, there's no there's no, no. women's national team. That's 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 my team. Whoever they are playing, I'm anti them. I don't care. Let me tell you something in my house. There is no question or debate about who I'm rooting for if Croatia plays anybody, anybody in the world, including like my immediate family. If we formed a soccer team, who would I root for? It would have to be the Croatian national team. Okay. So before we start with uh, the three team competition for early show of the year in the NBA, I want to start positive. I want to put those teams aside for a second. And I asked you, Richard Jefferson. Give me one or two feel-good stories around the league, under the radar, things that are just making you happy as a basketball fan or a human being. Let's start happy on Friday. It's Friday. It's nice. Halloween's coming up. We're going to have some fun. Start start happy with me. Uh, okay. So you told me this before. So Zach is a very great, great, very great. He is a great prepper. And so he was like, Hey, I want to do some feels good. I thought about absolutely nothing. I was like, Hmm, what, what is a feel good story? I would say Utah's early start. I, I think Utah is really, really, because you just don't know when you get a collection of guys together, what's going to happen. Now, do I think it's sustainable? Do I think that this is Utah's goal? By no means. But I do love the fact that for whatever reason, that locker room has decided, guys, we're supposed to be awful. Everyone knows the writings on the wall that they're going to sell their, their assets. And if they keep winning, they're probably going to keep selling. They're going to keep selling, as you know. So I think that part to me is just, is it's a random, small 
uh, sample size of how sports can be special, right? It's like the Utah fans, they were probably, uh, here we go. And then all of a sudden you just get this burst of energy because your team just starts off well, they're playing well, you know, you got a brand new head coach. So to me, I think Utah, even though I don't think that that's the way it's going to keep going for them, I think that's a really cool thing because a collective collection of guys have decided that we're not going to just get our ass whooped every single day and do what the organization wants. Yeah, I think it's also a testament. I, I talked about them a little earlier in the week of how smart and adaptable both players and coaches are in the NBA. So like you looked at that team and you've seen other teams like this before where they're, they're just the product of two big trades. Like no, there was no plan to have all of these players together on a team. There was no thought process behind combining Lowry Markkinen and Kelly Olynyk and Jared Vanderbilt. Like we think those guys all fit together and all these shooting guards like Colin Sexton and Taylor Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jordan Clarkson, who just want to chuck up shots. There was no thought process to that, mm -hmm. but then they come all together. And instead of sort of um, um, dwelling on their fit issues, the coaches and the players all say, okay, so, Maybe we're not a traditional fit, but like, what are our skills? What do we do well? Lowry Markin, and you're a good shooter. Kelly Olynyk, you're a good shooter. We're going to use you in a million screening actions, and teams are going to have to decide, are we going to switch, or are we going to give you pick-and-pop threes? If we switch, Kelly Olynyk, Lowry Markkinen, it's not the most graceful bully ball ISO game, but like, do your slow-mo spin moves, weirdo floaters, and maybe teams will send help and somebody will be open, and like, all of a sudden, it's it's kind of it's kind of working. I agree with you. It's fun. Can I Can I give you one? Please, I would love it. On a human level, nobody is watching this. Only the crazy people. Nobody like, is watching this. On a human level, one of the best early season stories in the NBA is Dennis Smith Jr. in Charlotte. Former you're number, right. No one's watching that. No one is no watching, one's watching that. it. Former number eight or nine pick in the draft, I can't remember, um, gets, gets traded to the Knicks in the Porzingis deal and is like, oh, this is the big chip in the Porzingis deal. And becomes, frankly, like a totally broken NBA player. Zero confidence, did not want to shoot at all. And you know this, you're seeing it in Brooklyn. When you don't want to shoot, it it limits every other part of your game because teams stop guarding you. And when teams stop guarding you, there are no passing lanes, there are no driving lanes. And he just became a broken player. And he talked to the media. I saw this in Stefan Bondi's story in the Daily News yesterday when the Charlotte Hornets came to play the Knicks. He was out of the league and he started... I don't know if you saw this. He, he started and he said, "I'm uh, guys, I'm not kidding. I started putting on weight because I wanted to try out for the NFL. I, I thought my NBA career was over. I didn't want to go play overseas. I told my agent, I'm not playing overseas. I think I can make the NFL. He's playing for the Hornets. He makes the team on, I don't know if he's on a two-way or a minimum or whatever. I can't remember. Rogier's hurt. Ball's hurt. All of a sudden, he's starting. And he looks like Dennis Smith Jr. again. Like I don't know what happened, but he's got his confidence back. He's popping like pull-up twos off the dribble, no hesitation, shooting 50% from three. And I just love stories like this. Guys who reached the bottom, rock bottom, guys whose confidence is so shot that you can literally see it in how they play. Like they have no confidence left. They have nothing left. They probably don't even want to play. And now he's back. I think that's a cool story. Watch Dennis. Give the Hornets a watch. 100% Dennis Smith. And again, like, they're the the NBA is littered in these and history forgets them, but like there has been Hall of Famers, like high level all stars that were in this position, like Chauncey Billups. You remember Chauncey Billups, where he was bouncing around, didn't really find a fit. All of a sudden, he's like in Detroit, he becomes like a basketball god. 
Man, you know, he was oh, in Boston. He was in Minnesota. You know, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry was bouncing around, you know, in in Memphis. Mm-hmm. They got him out of there because he was like going at Kyle. He was going at Nick, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Conley. Conley. So he was going at Mike Conley. Like, I'm going to come after your job. And like, well, we're going to get you out of here because we just drafted this kid. Goes to Houston. He's, you know, but then he finds it, gets, finds himself in Toronto. And, and now he's a multi-time all-star an NBA champion. He's going to have a are you gonna have a, 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 statue, a statue a statue it like Kyle Lowry if you remember the first five years of Kyle Lowry's career and then to say he's going to go on and have a statue in front of Air Canada Center like sports is so special because a guy like Dennis Smith Jr who has all the talent he has all the ability but you can be in the wrong place you can be in the wrong fit you can have some injuries at the wrong time and then all of a sudden and he did that's a good I'm glad you yeah. said that cuz he did have major major injuries that mm-hmm. kind of broke his body too yeah and now as an athlete and people don't understand the better part of your life from 15 to 22 you're pretty much a physical specimen, right? Like every, every human being, like your body recovers it. Then all of a sudden you get to a spot where you're like injured, you're banged up. There's another level guys, like people aren't patting you on the back and telling you you're the greatest anymore. And you go through, it's it's mental as much as it is physical. So to see a player come through that on the other side is just nothing but like good for you. But football, that's a different mental mind. No, oh. no, it sounds awful. Uh, can I give you a now? Can I give you a basketball? Not necessarily a feel good story, but like an interesting NBA plot twist that I am just monitoring. A good plot twist, not a shit show uh, plot twist. Excuse my language. It's Friday, but I don't care. It's, I, I don't I care listen. anymore. I've already started drinking. I I, I can't I can't wait. <laughs> um, uh, the just just something I'm keeping an eye on the Milwaukee Bucks, who I picked to win the title, don't have Drew Holiday, don't have Pat Connaughton. They are first in defense right now. That's not that surprising. They have Giannis, who looks like a superhero right now. And they have Brooke Lopez, who looks like Brooke Lopez again, defensively. Yeah. But the way they're doing it is interesting. Um, They're a team that in the past has said, we don't really care if you guys chuck a lot of threes. Like, we're going to let guys chuck threes. This year, they are allowing the uh, fifth fewest three-point attempts in, in the league as a percentage of shot attempts. I'm just double-checking it now. Fifth fewest threes. Okay. So you think they've probably sacrificed something else in their defense yeah. to do that, to take away a three-point line. Nope. Fifth fewest shots at the rim, which has been their bread and butter. They are top 10 in opponent free throw rate. So they're not fouling. They're mm-hmm. still not fouling. Long-time bud principle. They're second in defensive rebounding. Long-time bud principle. So they're taking all the good stuff from what made their defense great when they won the championship and during this most of this run, although they slipped last year. And... They've sacrificed none of that, and all of a sudden, again, it's been three games, just three games, but preseason was the same thing. They're not allowing threes. If they can sort of Voltron this into like a crazy elite defense that's good at almost everything, they haven't even – they're missing two of their top six guys. Like that's just – I'm just monitoring it. That's interesting to me. It's interesting to me. Well, it's interesting because for so many years, Bud was known as a coach – that that didn't make a ton of adjustments. He had a great system, but there is no flawless system. Every system has to be adjustable. And so, you know, whether it was their offense a few years ago where it was too Giannis heavy and four out, and it's like, he's not LeBron. You don't want to just put shooters around him and let him go to work. Like with all due respect to Giannis and his own greatness. Is he, that, is he there? Is he there now though? Uh, where, you, where you maybe could do that more? 
you can do it more now. And again, that's what they had to go to last year in the postseason with no Chris Middleton. That was kind of like, like, and so you saw that he had gotten better because he's a better shooter. Like Braun, as much as LeBron wasn't a great shooter, he still was more of a threat than Giannis was. So that allowed for a little bit. You, you Again, you remember how Braun lost to Miami, how they were like, bro, we're going to just dare you to shoot every single thing. That's what you're going to do. Point being is this. When you look at what Bud has done, the year they won the championship, they changed some things offensively. They're like, we're not going to really do this. And maybe we won't finish the number one seed like they had the prior two years. But we need to improve on things and we're going to use the season to improve on them. So Chris Middleton became more of a late game ball handler, playmaker. Giannis became more of a roller. And even as a roller, Giannis can still create. To bring this whole thing full circle. I think that year, in my opinion, was a pivotal year for them. Not only did they win the championship, but it showed that we can use the season to navigate and tweak things. And the reason why that's so important, let's say hypothetically, they were to go back to the finals. If they showed up in the mother finals going against, let's say hypothetically, the defending champions. And if you're giving up more threes than than you know everybody else in the league and you're playing against the golden state warriors you have less than zero we don't even need to play those games i don't care if Giannis goes for 60 points every night if you give the golden state warriors that amount of threes with the growth of their younger players and jordan pool is like a a, a splash stepbrother right like like you would be obliterated in my opinion And so if you know what your possible opponents could be, you have to at least use the year to do that. And we did that in Cleveland. We would work on stuff anticipating that we were going to play the Golden State Warriors. We would work on stuff against random teams for the Warriors. And I know that sounds that sounds and it's like if you spend over a seven month period, if you spend two, three games and say, hey, we're going to do this against this team because it's similar. We don't really want to show the Warriors this, but we also don't want to start this in the finals when we have zero reps and zero practice at it. And we don't want to show it to the Warriors and use it against them because we don't want them to prep and plan against it. So like to use the season to work on things against possible future opponents, as long as you're not spending large chunks of it, I think it's great. Small chunks, like, again, we would do that. Like, hey, we're going to practice switching this double screen. I, I don't even remember who, uh, somebody that had similar shooters to the Warriors. And we were only doing that. Uh, maybe it was Paul George and like CJ Miles in Indiana. It was like, hey, we're going to do this because I want us to get some reps on this when we go against Steph and Clay so we can communicate our switches. We're going to not switch underneath, but we're going to switch out. So that we would switch out to Tristan, not switch the guards. We would switch the bigs out and then Tristan would switch. So these are little things that we would do to help us over the course of the season. So I love what Bud is doing. And it's even more impressive that you see it's like, holy we can not just we can protect the paint and run people off threes. We can do that. We don't have to settle for one or the other. And that was not always a because a, a, you remember when we played against Bud in in Atlanta and we shot so many threes against them. Channing Fry, Kevin Love, like we broke the NBA record. We set the record. Yeah. 20, the record. 25 threes in a game in a playoff. And we set the we set the series record NBA series record for most amount of threes hit. We did it in four games. So it wasn't like a six game series, seven. No, we broke the NBA record for most threes in a series in four games. 
we also broke the and I, and I don't say that to Brad say is because they didn't make an adjustment, Bud did not make an adjustment. He was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it. And it just epically failed. So to see this is impressive. Well, that in the championship year for the Bucks was also when they got P.J. Tucker. And like, all right. So this whole switching thing that has kind of become a popular thing in the league that we've refused to do the entire time. We're going to dip our toes into. Oh, it's, it it's pretty good. We it's have a seven-foot alien who can be in, like, nine places at the same time. Maybe, by the way, the seven-foot alien, three games, Giannis, 36, 13, and five on 70% shooting, 68% shooting. I'm just going to round up. He's going to win MVP again, isn't he? He's going to win MVP. Well, again. we're going to talk about some other candidates, including John Morant in Memphis. But, yeah, I mean, he is, and he is, and for the season, again, three games in, I just like to look at these numbers because they're funny. With Giannis on the floor, the Bucks are plus 19 per 100 possessions. Plus That's 19. That's like Globetrotters level <laughs> numbers. With Giannis off the floor in only 42 minutes, minus 11. So they're just like, and you saw it up close. Or That's like Jokic numbers. That's like yeah. Jokic numbers the last two seasons. You didn't call the Nets-Bucks game, but that was like a very simple game. When Giannis was on the floor and decided I'm going to go to the basket instead of play around shooting these little jump shots that everyone wants me to shoot, um, the Nets had no chance. And no. when Giannis was off the floor, the Nets were winning that game. Uh, Giannis has been, and in that game, I don't know if you saw that game, but once he started going to the basket, like Simmons had no shot. He was just going around him. He was drop stepping on the baseline. His passing's better. Like he, he is, he's been scary for a long time, but he looks like, he looks like a man in full. Like I got it all now. My jumper, maybe I'll never have have, but like I don't really care. Like I, I can get where I want to go against anybody now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's impressive because now we have come so accustomed to, we've grown so accustomed to that every year Giannis is going to show up with something new. He's going to show up smart, smarter. He's going to show up stronger. He's going to show up more confident. He's going to show up with something that is just going to add to his bag. And that's what you want from great players. You want that from great players because you don't ever want it to be a situation where it's like, oh, he's figured it out and nothing, you know, there's nothing else for him to accomplish. He just is just going to go play basketball and be great. It's like, no, if you're going to be, and Giannis is one of those guys that looks like not only does he want the throne, he knows the responsibility that comes with the throne. And he also knows that when you are that dude, the way people approach you. And there's very few people that can handle that. There's very few humans that could handle that, right? Like the best athletes in the world, in the entire world, you're going to be number one and everyone's going to be looking at you and saying that like, look, LeBron had it. Kobe had it. MJ held it. There's, you know, there's, there's only a Tim Duncan, in my opinion, there's only a list of like 15 guys in the 75 years yeah. of the NBA. And Giannis is one of those dudes, and that's that's impressive. Yeah, our guy Perk keeps keeps tweeting after every Bucks game, like I don't care who knows. I told you all, Giannis is the best. Player. Like Perk, we know, man. No one's just no one is being like Giannis is the sixth best player in the NBA. Perk, like we got it. He's the best guy. It's it's like you know it's universally rule? acknowledged now. You know, whoever gets to the top of the mountain and yells the loudest is the smartest. That's the way, that's Perk's theory. <laughs> Um, uh, the only red, not red, the only thing I'm uh, the other Bucks thing is their offense has not been good. They're 24th in offense, they're not getting to the rim at all. They're all taking jump shots, it's all threes and long twos. They're taking a lot of long twos. And you know what, RJ? I'm writing it all off until Middleton comes back because yeah. he's like you said, their best ball handler. He turns Giannis into a roller, dunker, playmaker. So I'm not worried about that. The defense is interesting. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Any other feel-good stories? I know there was a rookie you wanted to talk about. Oh, yes, my guy. Ben out in Indiana, bear down Wildcats, you know, and look, oh, he's, here we got, you know what, I should have put, put two and two together. Uh, put two and two together. Is he not? Now, now Paolo is playing outstanding, right? Paolo's playing he's, outstanding. He's, 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 he's strong. He, he's, he looks like he's been in the NBA for like 12 yeah, years. He, he looks like, he looks like a physical, like problem, right? Athletic, do it all, blah, blah, blah. Now, when I look at what Ben is doing, in in the uh in indiana he's he's an athletic wing but he plays with such an extreme confidence and i was talking to him at the draft and i was like you know they were asking him questions and messing with. i was like who's the best player he asked me who's the best player ever out of arizona and i was like oh i don't know i hate to say it gilbert up there sean elliott you know there's you know you know we're just talking and he was just like no it's me right and he said he was like kind of like joking right like no it's me and i was like okay bro like go do it like go do it and this is one of those years where it's like he might not win rookie of the year because I think Paolo is like I think his overall rebounds, points, assists, that that's going to be there. I don't know. I think Ben is going to be an elite scorer. You might wonder where his percentages are. But I think when you look at him to be an all rookie member, like he's going to put up numbers where like in the last probably 10 years, maybe 15 years, he could have been rookie of the year two or three times. But maybe not this year. So, like, when you look at that type of talent, it's, like, good for him. Because he, like, six seven wing that can do it all, like a DeMar DeRozan. Is that, those guys, the people make it seem like they grow on trees, but they don't grow on trees. There's just a lot of them, in my opinion. Because that's kind of, like, a range that you can find. A six five to six eight wing that's athletic and can do it all. But it, it looks like they found one in Indiana and the numbers most points ever for like a rookie out of his first like four or five games. Like it was like, he's, he's starting to do some stuff. And and when you get this early confidence, you know, there's going to be a slump because it's 82 games. But when you get that early confident, Oh shoot, he's going to be like, I want to see if I can score 40. I want to see if I can score 50. Hopefully that's his mentality. And he's got Rick Carlisle, 
Rick Carlisle is not like notoriously great with young players. So the fact that like Rick is giving him that push is, you know, it, it, it's, it's impressive to me. Ben Matherin, 21 a game on 45% shooting, 39% from three on six attempts a game. And the most exciting part is just the level of force he plays with. He is coming in the paint to hurt you. And oh, put the ball into the oh, basket and put you into oh, the stand. Those are my favorite players. Those are my and, like. Oh, and some of these teams, the NBA, if you're rebuilding, let's just say rebuilding, and soon rebuilding will morph into tanking. And there's a little fine distinction, but they're like, so we'll, 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 we'll get there. There should just be like an NBA fun police who, oh. after 15 games, goes to the Indiana, has a meeting with the brain trust, and like, look, Buddy Heald's a nice player. We all like Buddy Heald. Can we just start Matherin now so Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton can play like 25 minutes a game together? Because this is the only reason anyone is tuning into your games. It's like, just just fun police. Just fun police. We just want to see these young guys do fun stuff. If you're Mm -hmm. rebuilding, just let the young guys do fun stuff. He is fun. Um, I'm gonna give you another fun story just to just to let you just to Friday. It's Friday. Just to troll you a little bit. It's 10 a.m. We've been drinking. Let's go. They've played the they've beaten rather the Magic, the Pistons, and the Hornets. But are are the New York Knicks kind of fun, RJ? I did, you're much maligned. New York Knicks are they? They're they're at least fun. Yes. They're playing. They're yes. playing fast. He, Their he, starters he are scoring the ball pretty well after being a tire fire for two straight years. They're kind of fun to watch. Uh, who did they? They lost. Their first game was Memphis, and they battled with them. Was it Memphis? Yes. Yes. I again, people don't understand. Basketball is complicated, but it's not that hard. It's not that hard. You go and get a guy like Brunson, and while you, we remember Legler did the thing on NBA Today, he's not he's not a difference maker, right? Like he's not this guy that gets you over the hump in this, but he is an improvement. He is a piece, and when you have like a collective group, and RJ Barrett's gotten gotten like you know smarter basketball IQ. Yes, they're competing at a much higher level. I think getting the ball out of Julius Randle's hands some, so he's not the ultimate score decision maker doing everything for their team. That's why Derrick Rose was so important to their team because it gave him a second ball handler, it gave him a second decision maker, not just ball handler. And it's like if if Julius Randle is over five from three and he's you know just having one of those nights he was always going to be their guy than Derek Rose but now you have Brunson so I like the Knicks I like what what they're doing I, I do I like the fact that they've actually showed a little bit of balls and didn't like give away everything for Donovan Mitchell although Donovan Mitchell looks damn good he looks great like Donovan looks Mitchell great. looks like a seamless fit right there in Cleveland. Darius Garland's out, and they're like, fine, we got depth. We got this. Take your time, Darius, like whatever. But I, I like what they're doing. I like the path that they're on. And I and I say all of this. I've never disliked the Knicks. I actually respected the Knicks and who they were. That's why we took so much pride and we always played our best games when we were in Jersey because we recognized who they were and they are the Knicks. And like we're basketball fans as much as we are players. And so when they became a dumpster fire for the next 15 years, it's like, with all due respect, those guys, like, I'll give you one time before people always, why are you always messing with my Knicks? My rookie year, we go to the finals. That was the first year post like Patrick Ewing and that whole crew that they didn't make the postseason. Remember, they had like 15 straight years. So they don't make the postseason. And we ball. We have like the best year ever. Lead number one, go to the finals, come back. 
The next year, and somebody check this up. Somebody check, just so you guys see them line. They came out with their slogan, one team, one city, one garden. That was their slogan my second year. And if you're going to tell me that that's not a direct shot at our team like yeah we don't care what you're doing there's only one team in this town there's only one new york city there's only one garden while all of those things might be true i'm supposed to be, sit here and watch you guys put together a campaign to go against us you're showing us that you're paying attention to what we're doing you're showing us and you guys are literally coming out doing that and we're not supposed to say you to you guys all right we'll show you the one garden every time we go to that garden we're gonna put on a show and that's what we did because they like we weren't we weren't going at the nick we weren't trying to say like oh the nick no we just were doing our thing minding our own business the next year when they came out with that slogan i kid you not i was like oh well it's, it's well if it's us then you too and so that's where that whole in my opinion that's where it really started you guys want to come up with a campaign that's that's like directly at us one city one team one garden it's like all right okay and so i don't hate the knicks but they have thrown some shots at our way and then our me or our team and the nets and so from that point on that's what they wanted to make it so that's what it is now so i don't I like nets. i like that you're still fired up about this 20 years later yeah <laughs> i was i hated sitting next to J.J. Redick. I hate Duke. I don't. These things don't die. I lost to Duke in the national championship game. These things don't die. These things stay forever. That's what sports is. And fans will forever hate a player. Like Utah fans will forever hate Michael Jordan and all this. I was like, imagine being Byron Russell, right? Like imagine being the guy in the game. And that's not to say that we hate each other, but it's like, yeah, these rivalries, and they don't die. Remember the first year of Paul George and Kawhi with the Clippers. The Clippers did the same thing with their slogans. It was like street lights over spotlights, yeah. black top, black top over something. And something they made lights. it, they yeah. made it, they made it were like hard hats the over real hard hats over over highlights and yeah, yeah they, they made it. We're the common man's team. These guys are the prima donna glamour team over here. And we're leaning all the way into that. We're coming at them and then, oh God, uh oh, we fell apart in the bubble and we haven't, you know, we, we haven't gotten as far as we wanted to go. We broke the conference finals curse. They, they, are, I know, I know this because I've talked to people there about it. They are so chagrined by how they fell flat on their face that season in the bubble that they have kind of like, all right, we got a little, we got a little big for our britches, so to speak. We're just going to kind of be the Clippers now. We're not going to. We're not going to go, and then the Lakers win yeah. the title that year too. Yeah. And so we're we're not we're not going like those those things like the, there's there are people in there they seem silly to us, but when they go bust, like the the Clippers are chagrined. Let's say about that. We we well now the Clippers had a bigger fan base than the Nets did back in those days. That's why the Nets had to move to Brooklyn. Um, but they had loyal fans. But but yeah, like we went to the finals the next year. And the one year that they made the postseason in my six years there with Jason Kidd, the Knicks made the postseason one time and they played against us. I know. In the first round and we swept them. So people are like, oh, why don't you like the Knicks? I'm like, I don't dislike the Knicks. I have literally whooped their ass for a full on decade. Right. Like. I don't, I don't dislike them. I respect them. All oh, so many guys on that team, so much stuff. I respect the Knicks and I respect their fan base. 
But Knicks fans want to be mad at us, players, teams, media. It's like, bro, I have never drafted a player. I have never done anything that that like has directly affected your team, right? I just minded my business and they wanted to throw those shots. But I think there was valuable lessons learned. The Knicks did it, shooting shots at the Nets many, many years ago. The Clippers did it, shooting shots. The Clippers, I think, will make a big chunk move once they go into their own arena. Once they have their own space, once they, because then it becomes, you know, you're walking in and there's in at front of Staples, there's nothing but Laker legend statues. There's no Clipper legend statues, right? It's, you know what I'm saying? It's Chick Hearn, it's Magic Johnson, it's, it's, Sha- so it's like even walking there, you're just constantly reminded that you're the stepbrother forever. When you have your own building and you can start building that that legacy and that history, I think that's going to be a big jump. They're not going to overtake the Lakers, but it will be a big jump as building their community. If Elgin Baylor weren't a Laker legend in his own right and one of the great players of all time, frankly underrated as an all-time player, the ultimate Lakers troll move upon the Clippers vacating the Staples Center would be to build the Clippers statue, the first and only Clippers statue, and have it be Elgin Baylor at the lottery on the dais with like a Clippers logo underneath him. Cause he was the ultimate veteran of the lottery. Um, by the way, the Clippers uh, let's real quick on the, oh, by the way, I think the Knicks are fun. I, yes. I was high on the Knicks coming into the season relative to expectations. Not, I am. I, I do like their team. I took the over on them. Their starters look like they're playing at regular speed and not slow motion, which is a relief. And their bench is still just the most rollicking bench in the Eastern Conference. Rollicking, rollicking all over the place. Clippers, real quickly, uh, two and three, just lost twice in a row to the Thunder. 29th in offense, last in turnover rate. Weirdly, RJ, not shooting threes. Like This is a team built to shoot threes, and they're 24th in three-point rate. That's not good. Kawhi has played 42 minutes. Kawhi and PG have played 39 minutes together. Are we to take anything from this? Are you worried about this team that had so much hype and expectations and people like I picked them to make the finals? Should I be worried? Yes. I think you should be worried from a standpoint of like, and I got a lot of heat for this when I was saying that like all finals MVPs are not created equal. Right. Here we go. Here we go. I got a little heat on this. Well, no. And it's look, I'm not. First of all, Kawhi, I I had Kawhi as a rookie. He's a bad, bad man. Right. Hall of Famer at this point in time in his career is it. But when I say that, I say it's like he what he did in Toronto was impressive. I don't think they win the championship if Kevin Durant and doesn't tear his Achilles and doesn't tear his ACL. That doesn't change anything. Other teams have had that type of health to help them win championships, right? You know, Golden State wins a championship because Kyrie hurts his knee. Kevin Love tears his shoulder up in the first round. So, like, this has happened before. But then even going back and saying, like, his first his first uh, finals MVP where he was that dude, defended LeBron outstanding, right? He did all of that. But he was maybe the third best player on that team that year. Fourth best player? He wasn't an all-star. You had Tim Duncan, you had Manu, you had Tony, and he was that dude. He was ascending. He was ascending, but it wasn't, he wasn't an all-star that year. It was, he was growing. And so when I look at, he's been a part of great teams and now this is his, he hasn't played basketball in a few, in a, in a full year last time he re- like last time he was in the postseason we saw a, a 3-1 lead blown and say whatever you want about poor paul george and pandemic p Kawhi leonard was on the floor and shot just as poorly the only reason why Kawhi leonard didn't get as much heat is because of those prior finals mvps that we had talked about they weren't going to talk about his failures because but he played awful 
awful in that series against against them. So when I look at that, all that to say, when I'm looking at a player that hasn't played in a year, that that this team, even though they got that monkey off their back a couple of years ago, there's nothing here that says that this team could beat the Warriors. There's nothing here, in my opinion, that says that this team right here is the team that can go to the championship. They've got the components, but we make it seem like, well, Paul George and Kawhi, and he's got two finals MVPs and blah, blah. And you're like, when you start to unpack it and undress it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more there to kind of mess with. It's it's all that's all. I mean, I we disagree on Kawhi. I'm not going to relitigate that here. <laughs> um, uh, but the the Clippers' worries are, I think, fair. And I don't want to dismiss how bad they've looked offensively just because Kawhi and PG have not played that much together, and Kawhi is coming off the bench as like the tenth man and all that. But I just I get this vibe like, are we doing this thing again where we just punt the whole regular season and say, yeah, this guy will sit this game, these two guys will sit that game, this these none, these three will sit that game, and then will it just wake us up in the playoffs and then it we'll get to the work. playoffs, then we get to the playoffs and like, oh well, you know, the Clippers they didn't they didn't care about the regular season, they didn't have an identity, they didn't have chemistry. Like, are we doing this whole? Are we living it this movie again? It doesn't work. It doesn't. That's what I'm worried about. Are we just going to, and and look, Zoo looks great. Wall looks great. Norm Powell had his first good game of the season last night in Oklahoma city. So they have, they have pieces, but I just, I'm getting this vibe. Like, are we just going to do this again? But you got to slow play it because you can't compare Kawhi. Kawhi. He's multiple knee surgeries coming off an ACL. I understand Kawhi. I understand even Paul George had, you know, injured a ton, you know, last year. Oh, I get why they're doing it. I just, I just like, it's not going to like, that's the part for me. It doesn't work. Like show me the champions in which that worked. It didn't work like in Cleveland when they were doing it. Miami didn't do that. When we're talking about the LeBron and you talk about the Golden State Warriors, that's not what they do. Milwaukee, that's not what they do. Toronto, they did it a little bit because Kawhi was coming off injury. So you understood it. And so they had that success there. But don't forget, Kawhi was a plug and play. They had everybody else. They took out DeMar and they added an upgrade with all due respect to DeMar. They added an upgrade in Kawhi. Right. So now. Like Kawhi is like, hey, we're going to take you in out. But that core, these guys, that core in Toronto, the young players had won G League championships. They had been like growing together. Van Vliet, Pascal, all of these guys had been like getting there. And so then when you add Kawhi, take Kawhi out, these guys had a core that could keep pushing while he was out. There's Show me another team that they just balked at the regular season. Whereas like, as long as we get to the final, it doesn't work. The Lakers try to do it via injuries also with a couple years prior after they won the championship when they lost to Phoenix. They were up 2-1. Then, you know, people get hurt, not playing 100% healthy, and their season's in. So you should be worried about it, but you understand why they do it. Yeah, they're going to play the long game. I, I knew that. And it, it look, I mean, if Portland is, is good and Dame's going to be out a week or two here, but... If they're good, that's just another team in the mix, and your margin of error for avoiding the play-in tournament is really, really small in the West. And like the, nobody wants to be in the play-in tournament. The Clippers were in the play-in tournament last year, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, but it's a little early for that. I just wish, I just, I'm, I guess I'm being impatient. I guess I'm being impatient. You picked the Warriors to win the title. Uh, how do you feel about that five games in there? Three and two. They obliterated Miami last night. At, not obliterated. They just beat Miami last night at home. Steph. Sneaky MVP can't not sneaky, but you talked about Giannis. Is he going to win MVP again? Steph looks incredible. 
I thought we were going to get a big Steph season after kind of like a slumpy shooting season by his standards last year. 31, six and six, 49 percent, 46 percent from threes. They are plus 44 with Steph on the floor and minus 46 in 73 minutes with Steph on the bench. So talk about Jokic like plus minus numbers. He looks incredible. DiVincenzo's hurt, but he looked every bit the bench piece that they thought they were getting. Jermichael Green is fit like a, a glove. I, I said when they got those guys that I was preemptively annoyed at how well they were going to fit with the Warriors oh. and how they play. And it's been it's been seamless so far. Um, I like that they have promoted Moses Moody, Moody Moses, Moody Moses into Moody, the Moody, into Moody, the into Moody. a bigger role over Kaminga because I thought he deserved it. And he's played awesome on both ends of the ball, considering his his he's in his second year. What do you think of Wiseman so far? Wiseman is like still re- remains like very polarizing among Warriors fans and Warriors Twitter. Well, the problem with with I understand why they got him. I understand why they got him. Like make no mistake. Because if you're like if you want to go with what we need versus fit, if they needed fit, they would have gone and got Lamelo Ball. Let's add. Let's just perimeter the out of this and just destroy it. Right. Let's just do that. And they went and got they went and got the big because if we have a big Wiseman will never be, in my opinion, he will never be his best version with this current Golden State because the things that he does well, the Golden State Warriors, they need someone that can distribute to all the guards. That's great at dribble handoffs, high basketball IQ. And that doesn't mean he has a low one. It just means he's inexperienced in the game of basketball. He didn't play much. And co- he didn't play at all in college, didn't play, you know, play a little bit his first year, didn't took another year off last season. So like his basketball IQ still has so much space to grow. So like the Warriors, he's not going to be a dominant guy because the Warriors are never going to be like, hey, tonight he's got it going. Let's beat the big fella. That's just not. So he's just got to be, in my opinion, he's got to be a great roller, great decision maker. And even then they got Looney that is that knows what to do. So he's all he's battling uphill paddling upstream trying to compete against draymond and looney for minutes in an offense and in a system that isn't necessarily meant for him it's meant for the perimeter guys around him so like it's just it's going to be tough do i like him is he another arrow in the quiver of steve kerr yes you talked about divincenzo and jamichael green like you got Moses, you got, they have, they have rebuilt their roster to mimic the 2015, 16 warriors and kudos to them. We talk about poor roster construction. They have the best roster construction in, you know, in the NBA by far, like by far. And it's costing them so much money. Oh my it's gosh. So much money. But that's, it's, it's, it's 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 astounding how much it's costing them. But that being said, I love their team. They have depth. They can handle as long as it's not Draymond, as long as it's not Clay, and as long as it's not Steph, they can handle injuries to anybody. And I don't. I just say that like they if you can they can have two guys like that might have to miss some time. Right? They still are the best team. And that to me, yeah, you are I, I you are you are super high oh. on the Warriors. Um, a couple of things. I think Draymond looks awesome. Mm. Like considering all the drama, all the contract drama, uh, huh? Focused, focused, focused and really good. I think Wiggins looks so at ease and confident in that system and is playing so well on both ends of the ball. I, you know, maybe I'm just 
maybe I'm just a cockeyed optimist, but I, I, I choose to see the bright side of Wiseman. Like he, he adds a dimension that they don't have as a roller defensively. Look, is his positioning on the pick and roll going to be off here and there? Sure. Is he going to bite on pump fakes? You could hear Steve Kerr last night against Miami. Steve Kerr's teaching on the sideline. You can hear him when he's close to the mics at midcourt saying, stay down, James, stay down on pump fakes. And he bit on one bam one and jumped into him on a, on a, on a shot. Uh, you could hear him saying, dive, James, dive when the when the heat were kind of coming up to touch on the pick and roll. And James was sitting there screening, like holding his screen. And Steve was like, no, if you dive now, we're going to we're going to get you can hear him teaching. And, you know, he, he's going to make those kind of mistakes. But when he gets those arms up at the rim and he times his jump right, like he, he's a force that they don't have. So I'm choosing to be optimistic on him, like I, I think he's been all things considered. Okay, he can't, he can't pass at all. He can't move. He has like four assists or something. But I, I think he's been all right. What did you think before we get to the show competition? What did did you see? Did you see that Clay responded to uh, Barkley's comment last night? No, what, no, I didn't. What was Barkley's comment? See, that's Barkley, the one thing that sucks about when you're doing games. With all due respect, when you're doing games, you miss all of the all of that you missed the other games like i didn't really get to see the barkley said the game. other day that clay is not the same player he was before his injuries that he's get essentially like he's slipping a little bit and you know that's worrisome for the warriors uh oh and clay responded after their win last night against miami and i just watched the video of it um he was legitimately i i love clay because he's so genuine he was hurt by the comments mm -hmm. and he did not hide that he was hurt and his general response, he gave an old school, duh, several, two does. Like, he's like, Charles, yeah, I tore my ACL and my Achilles in consecutive years. Like, duh, I'm not the same guy that I was before. He said, I'm working so hard to get back to that place. Can you just give me some time? I played like 50 games in three years. We just won the championship. I feel like I was a big part of that. And I like, I don't defensively you see him get burned in ways one-on-one -on -one that he would not have gotten burned before. Like even Kyle Lowry took him a couple times last night, but I just trust Clay Thompson. Like he knows how to play. He's got good size to defend point guards. If they ask him to do that, he doesn't have to defend the, the a plus wing guys anymore. Cause Wiggins is there to do it. I just, and his shot is his shot. His off ball movement is his off ball movement. That stuff's not going away. Like how I, many I teams, trust Clay, but you teams? should, you should watch the video because I he should. was legitimately hurt by what charles said emotional is not the right word i think clay clay is his smiles and the wins and all the stuff that they do i i, I think that's why i always I, I try and take it easy on players from that standpoint and sometimes you say things and like for a guy charles it carries a lot of weight when charles speaks the whole world is is, is basketball communities is is waiting so it's like you you know that those words are going to get there and I don't think that Charles, just knowing Charles, he's not saying it in a negative way. You remember the end of Charles Barkley's career, you know, where he was like banged up, banged up. Could you know what I'm saying? Like you, were, he knows this stuff. How many teams do you think right now would give Clay a damn near max contract? Oh, not that many. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, not many teams. Not many teams. A max contract. That's that's, no, I said a damn near max. I'm saying, okay. like, if the max is like forty, how many teams would give him thirty? For a two or three year deal, yeah, there would be a bunch. Thirty to thirty million, what where the cap is going. Actually, you know, he's I'd have to, I haven't thought about that because he's such a clear warrior for life that I've just never thought like, I look at that more value. The, value. the yeah. value on the open market, right? On the open market, right? And and he knows he's not the same player. He's not gonna try and be the same player. Um 
he would he I think if anything, we can we can marvel at two things. One, how special he was in those moments. He was a high level two way player, like top and, five and, two way player. In and the what's universe. poetic about what's poetic, poetic is maybe not the right word, but to me, it's poetic about what you just said is we saw him at his absolute blazing best when he got injured the first time in that game against Toronto in game six. He was like single-handedly going to will them to that win, like threes, twos, fast break, just playing. And he had thirty-six or something when he got hurt. Came out and hit the free throws. Like we, he, if that was the last time we ever see peak, 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 peak clay, he was at the absolute apex of it. Amazing! Like the dude is, and I watch it. I watch Mark Jackson challenge him challenge him and you know it's hard to challenge offensive players to be defensive guys clay took that on like okay i'll do and you know clay he's just like yeah yeah okay fine I'll, I'll defend everybody who cares and he won't say a word clay doesn't talk so clay just goes out there plays elite he's six foot six six foot seven plays elite defense doesn't get tired runs around like a madman and knocks down shots from everywhere like it it was so special, especially because he was paired up with his other brother over there, right? Watching those guys. So, like, yeah, I could understand why it's hurt, why, why there's a hurt in it. He's like, yo, like, and this is the other part. Talking to Steve Kerr, Clay didn't do much in the offseason because he got injured in the offseason last year. He was ramping up to go to, to – he was ramping up, and they were like, bro – don't do anything. We'll get you going as the season progresses. Like he was, he, there was a mental block there. Like he was afraid, like the last off season that I was training and working and trying to get better. Cause the idea is like, okay, I'm going to take a month off and then I'm going to start grinding. I'm going to get back to being old clay. Like I'm going to get my legs strong. I'm going to get, you know, I got the endurance. That's what I'm going to do. And there was a block there. And the Warriors are like, let's not do that because he was just like, so even Steve was like, we're going to bring him along slowly. Start of his, some of his frustration is that, you know, he had, he took time off one to rest because of what he had to put his body through. And then two, because there was a little bit of like a, when I went crazy hard during the off season, that's when I got injured last time. And I don't want that experience. Like for a guy that couldn't play basketball in two seasons, I don't want that experience. So for us to judge him right now, the first 50 games of the season, our first like 10, 15 games of the season. That's just, we know enough to be like, you don't judge a person and here's why. And then we're not talking about a person. We're talking about specifically Clay. This is why we're not going to judge Clay. I will judge Clay from his performance first of the year to the all-star break, all-star break into the season. Right. And then, then you can judge him be like, okay, he's ramped up. His minutes are here. His more practice time because he didn't do much in the off season. And then when you break that down, that sounds out normal but when you look at a situation you understand it yeah i said all last year i was on record and there was all this clay not scrutiny but everyone's looking how does he look what is that oh he's like not the not the same guy defensively and i said all along from game one until the end i think given the given the circumstances clay looks incredible clay looks ahead of schedule given the injuries he's coming off of I, I for him to just kind of step in and be able to score 20 a game and be the same mobile three-point shooting threat, maybe he's lost a little bounce, maybe he's lost a little speed on defense. For him to just step right back in and do that last season was incredible. And I couldn't believe that there were anybody that there was anybody being like, 
Ooh, I don't know. Clay is not the same guy. But that shows, um, you how much, that shows you how much better he was than everyone else when he can have an Achilles and he can have a, an ACL and come back and still score 20 and be a huge part to a championship team. Yeah. That's how much better he was. That's how f***ing good he was when he was going for 60s and 37s in a quarter. Like, we gloss over it because Steph, and we gloss over some of the stuff because they're, like, a great team. Clay. Clay's from the start of Clay's career to, to today, to today, how many players have had a stretch like that? Offense, defense, record breaking, championships, all star games, all NBA. I bet you there's 20 players in history that have won like that amount from this stretch. I'm going to say less because the four championships, there's probably 15 players in NBA history that can say they scored as many points. They had as many all-star games. They won as many championships, all NBAs, all of the other stuff. What, 10, 12 players in NBA history that can say that they've had a career that Clay, and Clay is still going. So he was that dude before. He's not the same player, but he's still a bad man. And we know the importance to having that second brother there when Steph needs to go to work because you can't leave Clay. Clay could be over. And twelve, and you're face guarding him. Yeah, uh, he's a five alarm fire at all times, <laughs> even when he's not. You're nose not to fire. nose with him the whole time, even if he's not moving. He's just he could be sitting on the bench, and you probably still should be guarding him. Yeah, they look. I mean, they're only three and two, but they look great. Curry looks great. His Curry's defense just gets better and better. You could his level of communication and 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 switches and rotation. He's just nailing all that stuff. Really quick about Steph's defense, and then where we can go wherever you want. People make it seem like Steph. Yes, you can target Steph. But you are not a part of a top five number one defense for five or six straight years, right? And and not understand what to do your how to do your role at a high level. He's doing his role, communication, switch all the things that they need him to do. He's doing it at an elite level because if he was, you know, there's other high level players that just play zero defense and they're just kind of out there and whatever they would, they would be maybe a top 10 defense. They would be a 15 defense, 12 somewhere. But when Steph is locked in doing all the things that they need him, they have a number one ranked defense. You're not playing 42 minutes a night on uh, like on the court and a part of a top five defense and not doing your part. It is impossible. It is impossible because you're eating up too many minutes. I think he's looked great this year. Their starters are so dominant that they could almost play blindfolded and outscored some of these teams. And I'll tell you, you faced this in the playoffs. I'm watching them against Miami last night. I, I got to write about this at some point. It, when it gets to the fourth quarter of some close games, they start running Steph Clay pick and rolls, the two of them together. And you would think that's such an easy switch because they're probably being guarded by two like-sized guys and you could just switch it. But either because of the way Clay mixes up, like, am I going to set the screen? Am I going to just slip out of it and fade? Or, or because of just the fact that they're the two greatest shooters of all time, teams just cannot guard that play. You could have, like, it, I almost feel like if you had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard guarding the two guys, they would mess it up. Like, teams, they get wide open shots out of it every single time. And that I remember high level screen and slip. Because you don't know if it's a bot if he's gonna hit the body and then you got to be up and if he slips and it's you know they have those terms no screen no scheme so that means if there's not an actual screen don't do the scheme if it's like not a screen don't show if it's not a screen don't 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 switch so like Clay does a, such a good job of screening you obviously can't go underneath you can't do anything and like he slips out so many times and they run it so much that was our biggest 
our biggest issue was that play at the top in game f- game, game four. four game four of 2016 game, they yeah, closed you four, out that, of that's that how game we could, we, with that play over and over again it's uh, 3-1 Everyone feels like it's over. <sighs> and you know why we all felt like it was over on press rows? Because we hadn't seen, because we're locked in on the game, we hadn't seen the Draymond punch yet. So we didn't really know that there was this thing that had happened. But I remember they just, I was right above where they where they were on offense. The Warriors were on offense in the fourth quarter. And JR had no idea how to guard it. And it was, it, like, it was over and over again. Well, because that was what, so the two things that, so people know that how, how we guarded the Warriors. The game one and game two, we tried to switch everything. We couldn't do it. There was too many. They, their ball movement was is the elite. They blew of, you out. They blew you they out. Blew us out every game. We were trying to switch everything because it was Harris. Remember Harrison Barnes? We held Steph and Clay down because that was our goal. But they were such a balanced team that everyone else killed us. And Steph and Clay played just okay in those first two games, and they still blew us out. Um, so we switched it from switching everything, and then we were like, hey. Stay home. Everyone stay homes. The only thing that we are going to switch is if Steph and Clay come together. We're going to eliminate all the switching because I want to hold people responsible. And you got to communicate and like, look, if Steph gets a running start and he's on that baseline and I need to switch out, fine. It, you know, you can point and talk in emergency situation. But we decided not to switch everything. The only thing that we were going to switch is if Steph and Clay came together so that those people knew. Because you're sprinting trying to chase Steph. And if Clay goes that way and you're like, oh, and now you're and you're dead at that point in time, you're dead. So that play was the one play that we were going to switch. The problem with switching that singular play is back to the statement that I said, no scheme or no screen, no scheme. And so we were like, are we switching? It's like, well, he's not screening. He's slipping out. So then you start to hesitate. And then and then they got you. Then they got you. And we were up by four, up by six in the second half of that game. And that play, and once they got that little five, six point lead, it's just like, it was so hard. So that play was so special. So I'm not surprised that even with our core and our group and the years that we had together, it's 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 next to impossible to guard because both of those guys can go for 60 and with their eyes closed shooting threes. They're the, it, it's crazy. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing. On your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Let's get to the main event. <laughs> if you early, held on to the pod this long, the early season, the early season poop show. Uh, Dan has to be about too many swears, so I'll go easy on him this time. The early season poop show of the year in the NBA. Ooh, our nominees right. are our nominees are one and four, the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Fourth in defense. Yeah. 30th in offense. We all know what's going on there. Nominee number two, the Brooklyn Nets. One and four. 17th in offense. Feels like they've been better than that. 30th in defense. 30th in defense. Can they combine their two teams? They'd be pretty good. Yeah, no, we can't have that. Um, And we've seen the Ben Simmons... um, the Ben Simmons situation unfolding airball to layup last night. They're minus We're talk about that. We're, I'm going to defend Ben Simmons. That's fun. I'm, I'm happy to have you defend him because I, I am actually as a human being rooting for him to succeed, but they're minus 14 per hundred possessions with him on the floor. And they ditched last night that they ditched the Simmons Claxton Simmons sharp pairings of the two non-shooters or minimize them. And our third nominee, the Philadelphia 76ers also one and four. So these teams are two and 12 combined ninth in offense. 25th in defense. Richard Jefferson, who do you give the Jeffy Award for uh, the early poop show of the year in the NBA? Well, I'm going to say Philly. I'm going to say Philly. And the reason why I'm going to say Philly is this. James Harden, you know, got in shape in the offseason. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to come back locked in. They have a core. They got an MVP. They got all the talent. This was a playoff team. Lakers didn't make the postseason. We knew what their issues were going to be. Their issues have not changed. People make it seem like it's just shooting. Shooting ain't just it. There's an overall energy problem. There's an energy problem with their team. Then the Brooklyn Nets, again, coming off of what the summer that those guys had, the season last year that those guys had, coming into the season, especially with the, the adding Ben Simmons, like you're like, okay, Am I surprised that they're off to a slow start? Not at all. The Philadelphia 76ers, though, right, with, you know, the guy that's finished MVP voting last, you know, second place last two years, James Harden refreshed, Tyrese Maxey, everyone is high on this kid, right? They've got, you know, the tools, they've got this, they, you know, so for them to be off to a slow start. Now, mind you, the start of the season can be a little bit the top teams are always playing the top team to start the season. Cause that's how you build up the excitement for the NBA season is like the, the Brooklyn nets are I man, Brooklyn nets started off against five straight playoff teams, the Lakers, their, their early season schedule is loaded, right? Like they're probably would be favored once or twice in their whole stretch of the first like 10 games. Right. And I think it, the first time they'll be favored is Utah. And if Utah keeps playing like this, they might not be favored in that game. So Philly, to me, is the most confusing and what's going on. And trust me, Philly fans are not happy. Their Phillies are in the World Series. Their Eagles are playing well. And they're like, what the hell is going on with the 76ers? And they're just a grumpy group of people. Um, I'm, But yeah, yeah, that's I'm upset at you because I thought I was going to be all NBA hipster by picking the Sixers as the no-brainer winners of the Poop Our brains are more alike. That's why I have so much respect for you, Zach. I learned so much from you, and so when we're we're aligned, it makes me feel feel good. To me, it's a no-brainer because, look, the Lakers are a circus. The Russ thing is a circus. We, like, the whole thing's a circus. I'm so, I don't want to hear about it anymore, but, like, to your point, I had them ninth in the West coming into the season. So if they're 11th instead of ninth and their offense is a disaster, it's not like a shocking plot twist that they're now that they're, I didn't like the rush trade from the beginning. The fact I, I could not have imagined it going even 75% this of this bad. This is a level of bad 
that I was frankly beyond my imagination, but I didn't, I wasn't like super high on the Lakers coming into the season. So this is, this is surprising in scale of badness, but maybe not result the nets. I actually think the nets are playing decently. They played considering what, they played that last night. Yeah. I like they competed against the bucks. They missed a ton of open jump shots against the bucks the other night. I thought they could have won that game. They clearly obviously could have, they lost in overtime to Dallas and Luca went bananas. Um, I, like I, I, you know, do they have the, the, the prettiest offensive system? Is it too hard for them sometimes? Yeah, that's all fair. They're a, a, a basically a brand new team integrating a, a, a all, former all NBA player. Who's clearly uh, a shell of himself right now. And I know you're about to defend him and that's fine. I, I, I voted Ben Simmons all NBA in the bubble season. Like, I think he's a great player. This guy that's playing right now is not that guy. This guy is a different guy who's paranoid about getting fouled and has 28 points in five games. And that's just that's just that even the stuff like he's he looks good in transition. But RJ, I don't know about you, man. I watch him in transition. He's getting off the ball so early. And so, sometimes that's good. Like if you kick it ahead to Kyrie and he has an attack angle, that's fine. Sometimes Ben Simmons has like a football field of open space in front of him. And he still just gives the ball up to someone who doesn't have a great angle. I'm like, dude, just take it and go to the rim. But anyway, they're playing. You're shaking your head. We're going to get there. They're playing. All things considered, Joe Harris was out last night. Seth Curry hasn't played. TJ Warren, I think, is alive somewhere and will play at some point. Like, I, they they are playing okay. They're playing in a way that, that makes me think, I thought they were five four five six seven eight somewhere in there in the east i still think they're going to be a winning team and be in there somewhere the sixers the sixers talked all summer look at our summer james harden took a pay cut we're going to be the best defense in the league this is the year i'm a workaholic i spent the offseason doing this tyrese maxi is going to be the most improved player and he's been unbelievable they have been so bad defensively in, in a way that is so embarrassing that it makes me question, like, what is something wrong with their team? Do they care? How can you be this bad in transition defense, acting like you don't give a flying f if you win or lose the game? I know Joel is working his way back into shape. He'll be fine. I trust Joel Embiid. That's fine. It, I, I just, of all the three, that's the one I look at. I'm like, that's, it's just shocking. Like, there, there are teams that have played them who, People from those teams, front office people or or people involved in those teams have texted me after the game being like, is something is something wrong with them? Like, we didn't think this it was going to be like this. So they are my winner for early season poop show of the year. Here are their next five, six games at Toronto, at Chicago, at Washington, home against Washington, home against the Knicks. Like they those are, you know, Washington's three and one there. Okay. Chicago's staying afloat. Toronto's good. Like that those next four, like, I want to see you show up and go three and one in those games. If you're a serious team, those are okay teams, They're not great teams. Go three and one. Okay, now now let's break this down. First game of the year, Boston. You lose to Boston, you fine. Fine, right? Totally fine. fine. Next game, they lose by two to Milwaukee, right? Two points. Don't to hate it. Fine. Don't Again, fine. James Harden has that little floater, doesn't drop. 88-90, grinded out dogfight. Okay. San Antonio, that's a bad one. That's a bad loss. Home opener, 0-2. Oh 
Yeah. Come out fired. It's not their home opener. Sorry, well, second Milwaukee home game. was home opener. Yeah. yeah. Come out 0-2. Get a day. Not a back-to-back. That one hurt. Are... That, that one's the one that hurts. That's one that hurts me. Now, you go versus Indiana. You go versus Indiana. Okay. You do what you're supposed to do. And then you go and play a good Toronto team. A very good Toronto team. And, and these, look, Nick Nurse, one thing about his team is there's a level of consistency to their effort. And they actually normally have talent, right? So so when I look at that, even again, we talked about that core group earlier. Like, they should, if they were playing well, they would have, I, I truly think, one more victory. If they were playing great, they would have two more victories. So, like, I don't think that they're that now, now this no, no, is before let, we get into the numbers. Be it's before we get into the numbers. It's before we get into the numbers. I don't even care about the numbers. No, but I'm just saying my thing about James, right? Now that James is back to being James, right? That's He's a, not. No, no, no. But I'm saying, though, like 25 points a game, eight rebounds, nine assists. Those are closer to the numbers. Even his per is higher than Joel Embiid, right? His per is higher than Joel. Joel. Right. Now, again, I'm not big into these numbers. I'm saying that I think offensively the way that he is more becoming back to not just being like a, just a distributor, but like he's 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 putting up shots here. Tyrese Maxey playing well, their defense just and I'm surprised, too, with P.J. Tucker, you know, playing 30 minutes a night. But. I don't know. I this is a this is a maybe it's not as bad as it seems. They've had a very good schedule and they didn't play great in some of these games. And you know, and on top of it, like with all due respect, the teams that they were playing are hard playing teams. Boston, they are a hard playing. Oh. Team. Milwaukee is one of the hardest playing teams, if not the hardest playing person. They, in you the know, you know, yeah, they take For, their cue. They take their cue from their best player. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like when you look at it, it's like. This ain't a schedule to ease into your season. This is a bunch of, like even Toronto. Toronto don't play. You think San Antonio with Greg Popovich, you think these guys, even if they're the least talented team in the league, those motherfuckers are going to follow the game plan. Pop ain't just sitting over there smoking cigars. So I just think that this is a little too early. I think if we're, I, I think, yes, this is the surprising show, but of the three teams, they have the potential to clean it up. No, no. Look, we're we're having fun. We're being yeah. facetious. I am well aware that we're five games into the season. I picked the Sixers to go over whatever their over-under was. We had a whole segment, who's going to win more regular season games, Philly or Boston, on NBA Today. Philly swept the entire panel, including me. I still think this is a 50-win team, despite the fact that they're 1-4. and four. I think that's they're, they're going to be fine. Their offense is ninth. They're going to be fine. I don't think James is James. I, I I don't think he has his burst back. I think he's somewhere in between hamstring ailing James and Houston James. There's like a huge gray area between those two poles, and I think he's in between there. My evidence would be, RJ, 18% of his shots have come at the rim. That's by far a career low. Peak James is around 33 35%. Okay. All the other corresponding shots are long twos, which he's never really taken before. I don't think he can get by people the same way anymore, despite the fact that there's all this James's back hype. Um, but I just, that, that's an eye test team. That's an eye test team where you've watched them play and you're like, Ooh, this just looks gross. Like some, some gross is going on here. Now they'll, 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 they'll get the gross out of their system soon, yeah. hopefully, but it's yeah. been gross. It's been gross. Yeah. But okay. So, okay. So let's, again, let's look at his regular, like his, it, he's, his field goal percentage is 47% up from 44 for his career today, this year. His three-point percentage is 39% up 
from 36% for a career. Free throw percentage, 93% up from 86%. And even again, his turnovers to a game down from his career around 3.7. So when I, when we say James is back, I say it as this, he's back to being a high volume, efficient guy, right? When you- 10 assists a game too, 10 assists a game. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like his, like all of those numbers are there. When there's a steady decline that most athletes are going to have, even LeBron James, like as much as he's scoring 30, he's not doing it the same way he did it in Miami. He's not doing it the same way he did it in Cleveland. Like, like you're, he's going to evolve that first burst. I was more about, he wasn't really shooting. He didn't have enough burst to get the separation, not necessarily to get to the rim. Like if his rim numbers are down, you better be shooting a higher percentage from three, which he is. He's shooting 39% from three because you can't get by people. So your, your, your evolution of your game has to coincide with the decline of your skill. That's why as players get less athletic, the players that didn't improve their three-point shooting, they fall off. The players that did improve their three-point shooting can transfer to a three and D guy. They can do some other things because their game has evolved as their athleticism has declined. That's why your peak at like peak as a player is like between 27 and 32. Why is that your peak? It's because you still have your high level athleticism, but you've in- increased your basketball IQ. You you're understanding these things. So even as you start to decline your athleticism, your skills should offset that sum, right? So is he back? He's back to being that dude, but it's not the same way he's been doing it in the past with a hundred free throws and getting to the paint. No, but his step back is there, his jump shot is there. And I'm curious if that is that's not the same James Harden they saw last year. That's not the same. This guy is not the same. So is there an adjustment period? We thought is James Harden where to come in. If someone told you James Harden's going to average 21 a game, he's going to lead the league in assists, and he's going to shoot an efficient year. You'd be like, oh, the Sixers are going to be great. If someone were to say that he was going to go 25, 9, and 8 and shoot 47% from the field and 40% from three, you'd be like, oh, the Sixers are going to be the favorite. So I just wonder how that intersection of him being a high volume score like guy versus what he was towards the end of the season last year. Give me the Ben Simmons uh, take. Okay, my Ben Simmons take is this. Again, very similar to Clay. The dude took an entire year off, and I'm not defending him. Like you know, like he took a year off. Is there some like some like mental blocks there? Yes. Just like if you play golf, there. Are pros that struggled with their putter or they struggled with their driver, whatever. Everybody's got some, some, some mental stuff when it comes to sports. He airballed a layup. And that's what you, you have mentioned. And so we heighten these things. Do you know what else he did? He had the game tying steal and the game tying assist. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, even as the media, we're like, oh, he airballed a layup. You know how many airball layups I had? You know how many and I know probably it's probably not that many, probably honestly. Not that many. No, because well, yeah, whatever. But my point is this: is that this dude steals the ball from Luca, right? Steals the ball from Luca, and then goes down wide lanes, drops the ball after Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant gets a dunk. Now he's guarding Luca. Final play of the game. That's you know, I'm. Yeah. I said on the air, I'm like, oh, he's gonna go to the left wing step. He didn't want that. He didn't want Luca didn't want that. So Luca, and again, Luca goes to his right, which we know is not what Luca wants to do to go win a game. 
That's not what he wants to do. Luca will win a game anyways, but if he had to pick, he's going to go left. He's going to do a step back. That is his bread and butter. He forces him to go right, kicks it out to Bullock. Bullock has to fire up a quick shot. Luca didn't even get a shot off. And I'm not, I, I just, I'm just saying, you, if you close your eyes, if you can't, not close your eyes, but if you narrow your vision, you can see some of the things starting to come back that made him elite. You get a game winning steal, you get a game or game tying steal, a game tying assist, and then you go and play elite defense that helps your team get into overtime. Does he have a long way to go? Yes, he's got a long way to go. And he but, battled Luca because Luca took him one on one a couple of that. Luca was hunting him in the third quarter of that game, calling for screens to get him switched on onto Luca and roasted him a couple times. And Ben kept battling and and bounced back and got that wasn't the only stop and steal he had on no. Luca. He had another one no. earlier in the game like that. Yeah, was, where he was on that right wing, where he was on that yeah. right wing, and, and Luca was like kind of mad and trying to draw the foul. It's like he's being too physical with me. Ben, to me, and again, go back and watch, like, we know, Draymond Green, right now, like, what they need from him is to be Draymond Green, right? They need to be, no, Draymond Green doesn't look at the rim. Draymond Green doesn't shoot the ball, but he, his, his passing and the teammates, and this is the problem, though, the Nets have to do a better job of spacing with them, and it takes time. Like, Ben, if this is how they're going to guard you, this is what we're going to do. All of these things are got to happen in real time. So it's like, hey, Ben, if they're going to sag off you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to back down, and then when you see Kevin Durant, I want you to go. And, and he's always done it. Jason Kidd, you know. Jason Kidd would be at the rim for a layup and throw it out to people to shoot threes. Jason Kidd led the league in assists all the year. Jason Kidd shot 39% the year we were going to, like the year, like he should have won the MVP in my, in, in my over Tim Duncan. I say this to say that like, we've seen guys that are more of a natural passer where, oh, he gets to the rim and like Kevin Durant got more open shots last night than he did in the entire Boston series. In the entire Boston series. Like he's going to create open shots. That is what these guys need. He needs him to create open shots. Kevin Durant got zero open shots in that Boston series. If Ben Simmons can create five open looks for KD, for Kyrie, then, then he's doing their job. We can't be worried about what Ben Simmons, is he going to be Philly? Is he going to shoot threes? Is, who cares? Can you help this team win? And the answer is yes. He needs to do more, but th those are all fair points. And to, to your point about it takes time, every game – there are five possessions, some of which we highlighted on NBA Today last week in L.A., where you can tell there's – and I don't mean this in a bad way. They're so discombobulated, you can tell they're figuring out how to use him, where he should be in the half court. And that's on Ben. That's on Steve Nash. I wrote that today. It's on Steve Nash to come up with more um, understanding kind of, of of how possession should flow with him on the floor. And we talked about the lineup tweaks that we've already seen. I thought in Milwaukee they got good looks when they posted Simmons and had split actions on the perimeter and had him kick out for threes and all that. So it, it, it is going to take time. Last question, and then we'll stop. The Lakers are 0-4. It's early. It doesn't look promising. It looks like this team as a, as a contender <laughs> is dead in the water, is DOA. Knowing what you know, have you started to think about if this team is just hopeless? Hopeless in a way that, like, what does LeBron want to do at the end of his career? He doesn't want to be on a hope a team that's like our ceiling is 42 wins. Have you begun at all to think about, and, and people are asking me about this, like, so so what do they do? Like, if this is just what they are, 
we all know the rush trades. Forget the rush trades. Let's just like imagine there's no rush trade that saves this season. Let's just posit that. Maybe there is, but let's just posit that. Let's look ahead to even next season. Are are they just biding their cap space to get somebody else? Uh, if there is no somebody else, I this is what people around the league are asking me. Will they ever trade Anthony Davis? Like start to have that conversation? Would LeBron ever leave once he's, you know, he only tacked one year onto his deal. Have you started thinking about these things yet? Because I have, my assumption remains LeBron is going to be a Laker. If not for his entire, I would bet for his entire career, but obviously Bronny is a, is an angle that needs to be understood. And we don't know where that's going to be, but this is the, this, this is what people are starting to ask me about. And I don't have answers because my brain hasn't gotten there yet. And if, if LeBron's going to be a Laker, I just have a hard time finding a, an, an Anthony Davis trade that's going to make them better immediately. Because if LeBron's on the team, you're not trading Anthony Davis for like three draft picks and two swaps and all this. Because he's going to be like, yo, those like, what what am I yeah. doing here? So, yeah. I, so I haven't thought about these things yet, but I just know these are questions that are coming to me. What are your thoughts? You know, I don't know what they do. I, I don't. Like you said, the Buddy Hilled, Miles Turner, that solves a lot of problems. Right. Because you actually you're getting two shooters, not just one. You're getting a big you're getting a big that can play the five that can push Anthony Davis to the five. So that's another problem that's solved. Um, it's the only true. It's the only one I I would lose sleep about if I were the Lakers. But you know, I, both picks is a lot, though, man. It's a lot like we're so we're they're so far away. I, I know. And everybody wants those two picks. Um so, you know, the Lakers, they, you know, this, they, they have to bide their time to see if something else can open up to get them more because they need more than just that. They need more than that because they don't even have great defensive wings. You don't want LeBron James being your pri- primary defender on some of these guys. Even the Brooklyn Nets, they got Royce, they got Ben. Let Kevin Durant and Kyrie just go score. Don't go ask the 37 year old to also be like a top one, two defender against all of these guys. It just is unrealistic. You know, that's why you bring in P.J. Tucker so that Giannis can roam a little bit and whatever. The Lakers have no rant and they have no more answers. They like they they did make a mistake. And now to fix said mistake, the best thing that they can do is go. F- and they were I think they were like potentially good to great like that as a championship team. Twenty twenty one. They made a mistake. And I think the best thing that's on the table is for them to get back to being good. Right. Like every move out there makes them good. I guess there's something to be said about that because this is miserable what they're dealing with right now. They might be happy being a good team. Like you can't just build a championship team. You've traded all your assets. You've traded all your young players. You have no picks. You can be good. And we know with LeBron James, good can get you. And I know he's not 34. I know he's, but with LeBron James, he can get you a shot every time. He can get to the bucket still. He's still doing a lot of those things. So I just, I just don't see it from a standpoint of there's anything, even with LeBron's greatness. My like, I think with Anthony Davis, that's the part that's very, you know, I just I'm not saying trade Anthony Davis. I'm not saying that. But and I'm and people that are like Anthony Davis, his injury history is, is he saw is I just even if you were a wing player, as a wing slasher individual, I spent my entire life being a crash test dummy. I would drive in there and try and dunk it and get hit and fall down, tear my wrist up, land on my back. Every day I was sore. If they had to call a timeout every time I hit the ground, Zach, I wouldn't I wouldn't have made it to year five. 
you know? And so, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have made it. So like, I don't, I think that it's, you know, they lack toughness, they lack shooting. They, and right now I think they all know it. So you're seeing a 70% effort. It wasn't Frank Vogel. Everyone knows now it wasn't Frank Vogel. I think Darvin Ham doing a, doing a solid job, you know, at least he's like, well, we can be defenders. We can get out and transition because that's our only option. And they've leaned into that and they've been good defensively and they've been getting out in transition because that's their only option. But there are teams that like, if their only option is X, they still don't want it. So there is no answer for the Lakers. The Lakers are what they're going to be. It's going to be this. The only problem is the minute they make the trade, now we have to regurgitate all of this again and sit on it. Like, oh, is going to be it? Is everything going to be good? Buddy Hield in the last three games is only doing this. And, and you're just like, oh, geez. Someone at the Nets game last night being facetious because so much has changed between then and now, and both in terms of how the Pelicans are built and how the Lakers are built, said, you know, the, the Lakers gave up Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, all the picks, all the swaps for Anthony Davis. What if they called the Pelicans right now and said, we'll trade you Anthony Davis back for Ingram straight up? What would the Pelicans say? And it was like, Pelicans yeah. say no. No, for Ingram? Yes, they would. You think they would trade Ingram for AD straight up, given the contract yes. situations, given AD's an expiring after next year? Let, let me just... Given Zion's on the team? Well, because you have Zion. So Zion is the best player on that team. Like, Zion would be the best player on that team. I'll say that. I'm not saying Zion's better than Anthony Davis from this, like, old, like, skill standpoint. I'm saying that, like, they would treat Zion as the most important player, right? Like, we're going to build around what Zion's do because he's here on our contract and he's going to be the fate. So even if Anthony Davis were to come back, they're not going to be like, all right, Zion, we're, we're, we're you know, we're going to, you know, Zion, go play the five so Anthony Davis can play the four, <laughs> you know, like that type of stuff. I think they would. I'm not going to disrespect Anthony Davis and and Brandon Ingram's a really really good player to say that like if all things being equal they wouldn't do that. But I don't think that that would do much for the Lakers. No, that's just again the guy I know we're we're just, just playing and we're just playing. But no, let's not disrespect Anthony Davis. He, is he a top? Is he Anthony, looks great? What he looks great right now early does, season. But but is he a top, is he a top fifteen player? I'd have to sit here and rank him. I would. I would probably say yes, I, but without having actually gone through it. I, I know he was, what did he fall to 20th in our NBA rank or something? Yeah. If he if he's going to play like he's playing now, I, I get, if they're 0-4, I get it. It's not leading to winning, but I, I would probably say yes, he's at the back end of that somewhere, but it's close. That's just tough, man, because he was supposed to be, he was supposed to go from a top five pound town to a top five player. He didn't do that. He's like regressed every single year since they've won the championship. And it's not all his fault. Some of his injuries, some he of his He was what you are describing is why the thinking was we will not be the Paul Pierce KG Brooklyn Nets 2.0 where we've traded everything for old guys and we fall off a cliff and we end up giving up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum essentially. And because Anthony Davis will see us through the LeBron. He was 26 at the trade, yeah. 26. Now, now half the time he looks like he's 32. Well, right? Now we're ending on a sad note. We started on a happy. We're ending on a sad <laughs> note. Richard, Richard Jefferson, second to none. I will see you in L.A. soon for NBA Today. By the way, it's you know you're a, a TikTok pleasure. star? You're a TikTok star. You know that? We haven't. I was hoping to get through the whole podcast without the words tick and talk coming up. You're, you're, and now they have come up. The king of TikTok. Star. No, never, never. No, I'm the people's champ. I'm the people's champ. That's what I am of TikTok. All right, well, you'll never see me on there. RJ, thank you, sir. Love you, man.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.